WBEZ remains laser-focused on our mission to provide you with fact-based journalism. But that mission is only possible with your continued financial support. Become a sustaining contributor today. Give now at wbeasy.org slash donate. Good afternoon. I'm Erin Allen, and this is The Rundown. So Thanksgiving is tomorrow, and this year I've been thinking a lot about those of us having a less traditional turkey day meal. Maybe you're gathering with folks, but it's your chosen family instead of your biological family. Or somebody different is coming to dinner, and you're not quite sure how they're going to vibe with everybody else, like whether it's dietary restrictions or you're worried about potential clashes in personality types. These are things Jordan Wimby thinks about a lot, especially in the context of identity, community, and food. Jordan, also known as the Melanin Martha, is a chef and a culinary preservationist and a self-described homebody. She makes food while exploring healing through the art of homemaking. I know, it's like, what does that mean exactly? But also, mmm... Jordan is here to talk about how she goes about this and also make some suggestions on how to bring good food and feels to your guests tomorrow. Jordan, thank you so much for being here. Thank you. I'm excited to be here with you and chatting about this topic. Lovely. So uh, let's start with when you started cooking. Oh, man. I was a child. <laughs> um, I started I started cooking at a really early age, mostly because I grew up in a home that was very chaotic. Um, There was always a lot of bodies moving in and out of the space. And, you know, I also had my own childhood trauma. And a way for me to channel all of that energy and chaos was through cooking and being able to be creative in that way. Hmm. I've always been a, a highly creative person and have found the art within food. And so, yeah, I think the kitchen has always kind of been my sanctuary, even when I was a a sixth grade student coming home after school and just needing an outlet. Wow, that is really young to start cooking. (laughs) When did it really hit you just how connected food and culture and identity are? So it wasn't really until the death of George Floyd where I started to really think about my identity as a Black person Mm. and the way that I want to change the way we see ourselves And me using food as a catalyst for that, Mm -hmm. it wasn't until that moment that I actually started to think about my own identity linked to food. And what came up for you? Um, Trauma, really. I mean, when I started to kind of do research, it started in where do the foods that I love come from? Where do they stem from? Once I started figuring out the origin, a lot of trauma came to the surface about black food. I mean, I was reading articles and hearing podcasts where people were talking about, you know, soul food equating to slave food and all all types of really negative things. And I'm like, okay, cool. I know that there's trauma that exists for us in terms of black, black soul food. And a lot of great culinary things are based out of poverty, based out of oppression, based out of trauma. But the thing that I was realizing is like, People somewhere down the line figure out a way to make those things powerful and beautiful mm-hmm. and like propel them into a different direction that's not traumatizing. How do we do that? Italian food, now we look at it and it's like, oh, it's so beautiful. Pasta, pizza. All of that stuff came out of fruition because people had no money. And they had to figure out how to use what they had access to and make something delicious. Just like soul food. Yeah. So why is the narrative so different? 
So that's really what I was focused on doing is taking something that's traumatic and turning it into something positive. Yeah. Um, that is really beautiful. <laughs> um, and it's it's a healing process, sounds yeah. like, also. It is. Um, you've cooked and learned to cook for so many different types of people in different environments. Let's say all those folks end up in the same room, right? The low-carb and the vegans end up with mm-hmm. the Italians who are, the, you know, they're here for some some proper gnocchi, right? Yeah. How do you approach cooking for all of those palates and dietary differences all in one room? There are times when I have supper clubs or pop-ups where I will not change the menu hmm. at all. Um, I cook what makes me feel good. And I will give people, you know, a heads up. Like, I do not plan on making vegan dishes this time around or gluten-free dishes. There's other times when I'm cooking because I want to make other people feel good. So it really depends on who you're cooking for. Are you cooking for yourself as a healing process, as a form of meditation? Or are you cooking for others to make them feel good? And there is a lot of wonderful, easy ways to make dishes. Maybe two out of the five dishes you make are completely plant-based and gluten-free. Vegetables are your friend. Oh, yes. You know, like I might not be the person who's going to make like impossible meatloaf with like vegan cheese, but I will whip you up a mean heirloom tomato salad. (laughs) That's vegan and gluten-free. And like that's my offering to you. I'm also someone who says, you know, this is my prefix menu. If there's something that you really want to bring, I encourage people to also bring things that are going to make them feel comfortable within mm. the space. And maybe they can share something with me too, you know? Even though you're the hostess, I always t- – I'm the, I'm the hostess with the mostest. I'm the person who's trying to, like, make everybody happy all the time. And <laughs> I've learned to let go of some of those responsibilities. Mm. Let people help you help them be comfortable. And if that means that they need to bring their own protein and you provide the sides, do it. Yeah, I mean – I know that a lot of your work is around creating the proper space to invite people into. Yeah. Talk about how you approach hosting people in your home space when you're inviting people into your home, not just the food, but specifically just the feels, right? Yeah. This is a great topic because I host a supper club in my home with 10 people that I I might know. Some of them I don't know, but they each buy a ticket and I turn my home into a restaurant. Yeah. I hire a server. I print out a menu. We have beautiful china. We have candles and music. It's wonderful. Let's start with the vibes. People are arriving at different times, and we start with an hors d'oeuvre, and they each get a glass of champagne. And they just mingled in my living room. Hmm. They had a seat. There was music. Icebreaker time. Icebreaker time. Get to know each other. Yeah. You know, this is their time to, like talk about this hors d'oeuvre that they're eating and having having something in your hand when you first arrive breaks the ice instantly. So everyone's trickling in and I give them a rundown of what to expect. I acknowledge in that moment that none of us know each other right off the bat. And I always say what my intention is as the host. My intention is for you to feel comfortable. My intention is for you to eat well. And you know, they're getting to know people of different backgrounds. And we had people of all different colors, all different ages, races. It didn't matter. 
And then we have a seat. And most of the people there came with someone that they knew, which I think is also very helpful. Yes. To let people know they can bring a plus one. Yeah, bring a plus one. Bring somebody that's going to make you feel comfortable. So they all sit down and each course comes out and it's a course dinner. I mean, obviously for Thanksgiving, it's it's a put all the food on the table and go in, which I also <laughs> love because there there is something like so special about saying, hey, can you pass me the bread? Mm-hmm. Oh, I want another serving of the mac and cheese. Can you throw me the mac and cheese, girl? Very like, specific type of conversation. There is a very specific conversation of like moving things around the table. This was not that. Because the reason that I chose to do a course dinner is because I wanted conversation to happen after every plate was removed. Mm. What did you like? What didn't you like? Did you enjoy that? What was your favorite part? And I also gave context, historical and cultural context to every dish because of the work that I do. But there is something beautiful about watching 10 complete strangers or people of different backgrounds come together, come into your house and you feeding them and just watching them connect through the dishes that you're that you're choosing to feed them. There was a moment where I came out and everybody in my home was laughing and giggling and <laughs> connecting. It was the most beautiful thing that I've ever experienced, but it was because I created an environment where they could let loose. Mm-hmm. But like my home is your home and I just want you guys to eat good and leave out of here feeling happy and taken care of. Wow. I feel happy and taken care of just <laughs> thinking about it. I am also like, where? when is my next meal coming? <laughs> um, Come on let over. me get planning. All right. All right. <laughs> be careful because I'll be over there tonight. Oh, I'm telling you, it's my favorite thing in the world to feed people. Okay, great. Oh, my God. I love it. Jordan Wimby is a chef and culinary preservationist. Jordan, thank you for sharing your work and your heart and your brains (laughs) with me today. Thank you for having me. If your mouth is also watering and your heart is also fluttering, and if you want to try Jordan's cooking and catch a vibe, she hosts those monthly supper clubs. Find more information on that on her Instagram at themelanin underscore Martha. And that's it for the rundown today and this week. It's a holiday, so I'm going to celebrate and take a break. We'll be back in your feeds bright and early on Monday morning. I'm Erin Allen. Talk to you then. 